Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. In 2010, now a decade ago, the swine flu pandemic hit the United States. Iron Man 2, Toy Story 3, and Shrek Forever after made the bo- uh, made box office hits. And the Saints beat the, the Colts in Super Bowl 44. But to me, the two most exciting things that happened in 2010 was that I got my first college girlfriend and I got my first credit card. I remember them because they both came about around the same time and they were both really exciting. Now, my parents, they had no clue about the girlfriend. They knew about the credit card, but <laughs> now that I think about it, I should have told them about the girlfriend and not the credit card. Because if there's, <laughs> because if there's two things that don't go well for, that don't go well together for a college student, that's a, a girlfriend and a brand new credit card. So, because I would think when I was with her, I would think, well, should we spend on quality time at the Six Flags Amusement Park? Yeah, of course. Should we spend on the quality food at the amusement park? Don't worry, I got you. (laughs) Should we spend on the quality boots, brand new boots that you can use at the amusement park? Oh yeah, don't worry about it, I got you. Now the, the list went on, and oh man, did it really go on? It was really exciting. That is, until one evening I picked up my phone and it said Dad on it. Uh, Hi, Dad. Yeah, I'm doing good. Oh, yeah, I'm studying. I'm studying well. Uh, Oh, yeah, the credit card is great. It's great. Wait, what? $375 is a lot for a college student? with a girlfriend and no source of income. It was all bad news. And it's a true story. You can ask my dad. Uh, the truth is, I've made many financial mistakes. And, many, and maybe many of you have too. And now, I'm not saying that it's bad to spend on your significant other. Of course not. Unless, that is, you're trying to be single again. Then that's a different story. What I'm trying to say is that in that situation, like... In many other financial mistakes that I've made, I didn't have a plan, I didn't think about saving, and I didn't consider giving back. At that time, I had a hard time, admi- I had a hard time admitting, for whatever reason, that I needed financial advice and financial wisdom. And if the statistics are right, then many of us here could really benefit from having wisdom when it comes to our finances. And this isn't new. People have been dealing with financial problems for a very long time, probably much longer than we think. Now, what's interesting is that Scripture tells us that wisdom is more valuable than money itself. We can look at this verse in the Bible, which is found in a book that we can refer to as the Book of Wisdom. It's called Proverbs. Now, historically, King Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And King Solomon wrote much, uh, most of Proverbs, including what I'm about to talk about. So if you have your Bibles with you, 
Um, to find proverbs, all you have to do is go open down the middle and then a little bit to the right. Or if you don't have your Bibles with you, you can uh, use your app on your phone. But if you're watching us online on your phone, then I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure you can figure it out, or you can just follow us here on the screen. Anyway, so uh, Proverbs 16.16 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold, and good judgment than silver? And when it says how much better here, it's basically saying how much better is it to get wisdom rather than gold, and good judgment rather than silver. Now, you don't need me to tell you that gold is gold and silver are valuable. They are tangible things. We, we can clearly see the difference between the rich and the poor. Wisdom's a little bit different. You can't really, you can't really, wisdom is not tangible. You can't see it. You can't really touch it. You can't smell it. And you can't really buy it at Target. Although I have been, people have disagreed with me on that one. But we're told in this verse that when it comes to valuable things, it's so much better to have wisdom rather than wealth. But why? Why is it that? Why is it that wisdom is better than wealth? Well, when we think about wisdom, wisdom is basically a combination of knowing and understanding. It's not just knowing that's important, it's being able to understand how to apply that knowledge that makes a difference. And when we can apply this wisdom when we can apply wisdom to our finances, then we can start making financial decisions that will benefit us. Because here's something that you and I know without having to think about it too much. Money rarely leads to wisdom, but wisdom always leads to money. Read this carefully. So money rarely leads to wisdom, but wisdom always leads to money. Makes sense, right? So I have, a, I have a wise best friend. His name is Manny. But don't tell him I, don't tell him I told you that he was wise. <laughs> he texted me on the day that uh, Kobe Bryant and, as, uh, um, as Ken mentioned, Kobe Bryant and the eight other people died in that uh, terrible helicopter crash. And Manny, my friend, he has two daughters. And you know, he, just, he just texted me, and we started talking to each other. And he talked about how we take... We take things for granted and how um, life is so precious and that even though we're in the middle of the busyness of life, we should be, we should be grateful, right? Um, wise man, I, I told you. Um, now, I want you, to think about, I want you to think about that person in your life that you can text, that you can reach out to, that, or that you can call at any moment in your life just to ask for any advice or um, just to vent to. I want you to just think about that person for a moment. I imagine that when you first met them, that you didn't just come up to this person and started venting your personal problems to them. Um, they might have looked at you weird and said, who does this guy think he is? <laughs> kind of weird, right? I think, I imagine it might have went more like you first you met them, and then you got to know them, and then you understood them, and then you began to trust them. Right? It took time. And think about how much richer your relationship is now because of the time and the, and the effort that you put in the, beginning of their, in the beginning of your relationship. Our finances are no different. It takes time and it takes effort not only to know how to manage our money wisely, but also to understand the benefits of using um, being wise with our money. 
If you have wisdom, you can maximize your uh, you can maximize your gains and you can minimize your losses when it comes to money. And when we apply God's wisdom to our finances, it makes financial space in our lives. And financial space leads to more opportunities. You it gives us you it gives you a chance to explore that city that you've always wanted to. You can buy your little girl or your little boy that that gift that they always wanted. Or you can treat your spouse to that really nice restaurant with that delicious ribeye that she's been craving. Wisdom helps us make the most of every financial opportunity. It helps us be in control of our finances and not the, and not the other way around. As Pastor Caesar talked about last week, God wants us to be in control of our finances. He doesn't, and God doesn't want our finances to control us. Now, this doesn't mean that we should ignore our finances either or avoid our finances. Because, well, I don't know about you, but I used to think that in order to avoid the famous trap of loving your money, that you should ignore it and just avoid it as much as possible. Have any of you felt that way? Well, maybe think about it this way. Have you ever avoided a problem or a person that you thought would be very difficult to deal with? Anybody here not non-confrontational like I am? <laughs> um, maybe it's postponing a call to a loved one because you don't want to tell them bad news. Maybe it's something you've been dreading to do, like a big presentation or a, a big uh, project for school. Or maybe it's not opening your checking account because you don't want to see the true balance there. Does putting it off or avoiding it or ignoring it make things any better? So then, how do we stop dreading or fearing that problem? We, actually, we should actually face it. It's when we stop ignoring things, ignoring the things that we see fear, fearful or dangerous, that it, we stop giving it power. Power over our minds and power over our emotions. And it's the same thing when it comes to our finances. When we look at scripture, we can see that God doesn't want us to ignore or avoid our finances. He actually has a lot to say about it because he wants, you, he wants us to understand and be wise and benefit from our finances. So today, we're going to talk about three wise financial habits. And we're going to try to look at it as, from a practical standpoint. And I know that we usually save the main points to come away with at the end of the message. But since Pastor Caesar is not here, I'm going to tell you the three points to come away with here at the beginning. Although, I think he's watching us online. So, can we, can we turn it off for just a second? <laughs> okay, the three, points I want you to, the three points I want you to come away with, well, the three points I want us to come away with is that in order to be wise with our money, we need to make a plan, save for tomorrow, and give to God. Say it with me. Have a plan, save for tomorrow, and give to God. Simple, right? You can even think about it this way. The first two are things that wise people know, right? Wise people know that they have to make a plan and that they have to save for tomorrow. The third thing... Give to, giving to God is what wise people do. They give to God, they give back to the community. So, these three points, we can look and we can find them in the book of wisdom, Proverbs. And we're going to start in Proverbs 
And in Proverbs 21.5, it says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. See here, it says good planning, right, and hard work. You can't just plan. Um, you also have to put in the hard work. Then it will lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts, and here where it says hasty, it's, in this verse, it basically means that when you try to manage things rashly or without any due consideration. Um, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. I mean, we've all heard the statistics of lottery winners who either end up, unfortunately, back in the same financial situation that they were in, or in an even worse financial situation. And we all have that relative who doesn't have much money but is always trying to get us to buy into their get-rich scheme. So what can we do? What can we do when um, hasty shortcuts lead to poverty? We have to make a plan. And as Pastor Caesar explained last week, there are many reasons why we don't spend our money wisely. The impulsive habit to buy things we don't really need, that habit is hard to break. But it's very important to understand how much we really need and how to work with what we have. And today we're going to take that idea one step further. If we want to be wise with our money, we need to control and plan where our money goes. But honestly, there's something about that term financial plan that makes me kind of nervous. It sounds like a mix of expense reports and balancing checkbooks and um, big Excel sheets, which really doesn't get me excited. But you know what gets me excited? Dreaming. I'm not talking about the sleep dreaming. I mean, that's really nice too. But I'm talking about dreaming, having a vision of what a potential good future might look like. Have you ever thought of your dreams? Something that you've always wanted to accomplish. Somewhere that you've always wanted to visit on your own. Something that you've wanted to experience. I want you to take a moment just to picture that vision. Picture that vision for just a moment. Now, what, what's stopping you from, from pursuing that vision? What's holding you back? For many of us, including myself, I find that it's money that's holding us back. When we, th- it's, we think that when we have more money, then we will visit the place that we've always wanted to. We'll go on that mission trip or, or we'll write that book that we've always wanted to. Now, while we don't want money to be the answer to all of our problems, we also don't want it to become the obstacle that we could have prevented in the first place. And like we talked about in part one of this series, it's important to trust God and uh, to trust God with your dreams and commit your dreams to God and believe that He will guide you. In Proverbs 16:9, it says, "We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps." And basically what it's saying here is that there needs to be a balance. We need to take action and plan and then trust that Jesus will guide us. In other words, take your dreams, make them into goals that you can achieve, and then have faith and trust that God will lead you the rest of the way and it will help you move forward. Now, with moving forward, we all know, unfortunately, that that means temptations will come our way to make not-so-wise financial decisions. And it's not easy whenever we open up Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, there's an ad right in your face. Heck, I I can't even watch a trailer on YouTube without seeing an ad first. 
Like, isn't a trailer an ad for a movie? But then I have to watch an ad to watch another ad. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> and I'm, and you know, there's flashing billboards wherever you go. I'm driving down 101, about to exit Oyster Point, and then there's a big sign of the iPhone, the new iPhone. So even though your your phone is working just fine, it's in pristine condition. This iPhone is looking really tempting right now. <laughs> so, how can we resist? How can we have the best chance to to resist the financial temptations that are all around us that we see every day? Now, here's one practical potential solution. What if we get ahead? What if we remove the temptation to spend more than we have by literally, literally keeping that money apart? Like we mentioned in part one of this series, everybody does have a different relationship with money. Some of us are very comfortable with money. Some of us, not so much. Some of us have enough money. Some of us are struggling. But no matter where we are with our money, what's important is that we know how to manage, manage our resources to the best of our abilities. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean making big spreadsheets on, on Excel, but I'm talking about the way that we see money and the way that we use money. So all of our money can go into, into two categories, and the first one is the committed category. If we put our money in a committed account, this is the money that that has to go some, that already has to go somewhere before you even have to think about it it's it's the rent it's the mortgage it's the utilities it's the the phone bill it's the subscription uh, subscriptions um, if we put our money let, uh, into this committed account we can spend whatever is left without having to wonder or guess what's available and that puts us into the second category where we can put our money the spendable the spendable means that we have an account that is dedicated to just day-to-day -day expenses. So having one spendable number can give us a piece where a lot of our fear comes when it comes to our finances. It can reduce the anxiety we feel when we're checking out in uh, the grocery line. No more math problems while we're in line at, at, at the uh, toy store or trying to remember which bills have been paid or which bills haven't been, haven't been paid. Imagine the kind of peace, the kind of clarity that we can have without the stress and worry of financial, uh, worrying about our financial state. When we make a plan with intention and purpose, that's when we can find this peace. And imagine what it would be like to be able to sleep at night without having to worry. And that, I find, is, is priceless. Now, so, our first step toward financial um, wisdom is carefully planning where it should go. So we have to make a plan, right? Now, the second point is save for tomorrow. And now, so, look at this verse with me. It's in Proverbs 21.20. It says, The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. You know what I find offensive? I, was, I came across this article the other day which said that Americans don't know how to save. And in the article, it had a very shocking um, statistic. In 2019, 69% of people said that they have less than $1,000 saved. 
In 2018, it said that 58% had less than $1,000 uh, saved. So what's happening here? The number of people who are trying to save or who can save is dropping. So what can we do about this? Well, you know what the worst part is of not having savings? Is that everything becomes a money problem. You know, when something unexpected happens, you have a car and your car breaks down, then you have a car problem. But if you don't have money for the repairs for the car, then you have a car problem and a money problem. So we know that saving is important, but why is it, why is it so hard to do? We talked about the temptations earlier, but for some people, some people there just isn't enough. There just isn't enough income coming in. And it's, the, and it's during these times that it's important to remember that it doesn't matter how much we have or how much we don't have. What matters is what we do with what we have. For many of, for many of us, though, we don't know where to start. And I was one of those people. I didn't know where to begin. So in order to make changes in our finances, it means that we may need to admit that there is a problem. And then we can start to come up with solutions um, to increase our income. It might mean sitting down and actually writing out our expenses to decrease our, um, to decrease our expenses. Like, do I really need YouTube premium right now? <laughs> or selling items that I don't use anymore. Like, why do I have two laptops? It doesn't make sense. Or even asking for help, which is uh, asking for help from a reliable source, which is probably the hardest thing to do. These are just a few ways we can show that we actively trust God and take control of our finances in whatever stage that we're in. Because if we're not in control, then our finances are in control of us. And God doesn't want that. Another crazy statistic I found was that the average American spends more than 103% of their annual income. I think Pastor Caesar mentioned this last week. 103%. Like, how does that work? Well, you know, we, we fall into debt. And in Proverbs, and Proverbs says something about this in Proverbs 22.7. It says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. So, I think many of us who have student loans still like me, can, can relate to this. I often find myself in situations like, you know, that pair of running shoes look really comfortable. Oh, but, but wait, I have to put that money toward my student loans. Or maybe I can take a day off tomorrow, or maybe come home early from work. Oh, but I should pay off my student loans. Does this ever happen to you? Maybe it's your phone bill, or maybe it's your mortgage. Or maybe it's your car payments. Listen, in in this verse here, God is not saying that we shouldn't spend. He's warning us of the dangers of borrowing more than we have available to us. He cares about us so much that he wants to help set us up for financial freedom. And that financial freedom comes with a mental peace. And I find out that that is priceless. Okay, so so far, we know that being financially wise means having a plan. 
It means saving for tomorrow. And that brings us to our third point. And it's what wise people do. They give to God. In Proverbs 3, uh, 9 to 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then, then you will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. So, I don't know if any of you have vats of wine. Um, This is what a vat of wine looks like, by the way. I had to look that up to be sure. If you do have vats of wine, I would like to get to know you better because that sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) But for us today, instead of thinking of full barns, unless you do have a barn, for us today, instead of looking at full barns, or thinking about full barns and full vats of wine, we can say full bank accounts and full kitchen cabinets. How does that sound? With plenty to share. With plenty to share. Because it says that the Lord will overflow. Will overflow us. Will overflow our barns and overflow our vats. And that's the key. With plenty to share. The reason God blesses us. The reason why he overflows our barns and our vats of wine is not for our benefit. We do benefit, of course, but that's not why. He overflows our accounts and our cabinets so that we could be a blessing to others. Listen, in my experience, there are basically two reasons why people don't give to God. The first reason is, well, some people think that they don't need they think that God doesn't need it. I mean, he's God anyway, right? All he has to do is snap his fingers and voila, money, right? So God doesn't need it. And if you think this way, then you're right. God doesn't need it. The second reason other people think that God doesn't need our money is that, well, if other people are giving... And if I don't give, well, then I should use that money to spend on myself. Because God won't miss it. People think that God won't mi- Oh, that should say, God. they don't think God will miss it. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Okay. Um, they don't think God will miss it. And, you know, hey, if you're one of these people, you're also right. God doesn't need our money, and God won't miss our money. The problem is... The problem is that giving isn't about God. It's about us. God doesn't want us God want, doesn't want us to give because He needs it. God wants us to give because we need it. And hey, I'm not standing here. I'm trying to convince you to give to Grace Point. That's not what I'm trying to do. If there's another church that you feel blessed at um, and you believe in, you can give there. Or if there's a charity or, or a mission that you believe in, you can give there. That's right. You see, giving is the tangible and practical way and visible way that we can show that we trust God. That, that we trust that He is who He says He is. And that He will do what He says He will do. Because giving 
Giving breaks the hold that money has on our lives. Giving is how we show that money doesn't have us. And giving is one of the ways that we show we trust God. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.